0: Welcome to Talking Confidence with me, Holly Kaplan. Having confidence in the workplace is essential for progress, fulfillment, and yes, survival. The issue is that confidence doesn't always come easy and is impacted and influenced along the way. Well, as a confidence coach, I know the key to finding and keeping your confidence is to recognize how professional situations have affected how you think of yourself. In this podcast together, we will examine exactly what impacts women's confidence in the workplace. We are going to get raw in these episodes. We are going to peel back the layers of social interactions, company culture, gender discrimination, ageism, and more. My guests will include entrepreneurs, corporate executives, and business owners. We are going to get down to what these women are really feeling. Expect vulnerability, openness, and relatability. But most importantly, expect to find your confidence. When I decided to leave corporate America and go out on my own with my coaching business, I was purely driven by excitement and determination. And I just knew that I could do it. I had no doubts. I mean, I had sold telephone long distance services in the 90s. That's no joke. And I felt like if I did that, well, I could do anything. Well, despite my savvy cold calling and telemarketing skills, and despite That thick skin I had earned from being thrown out of buildings and hung up on so many times, nothing prepared me for learning a new skill I would need to run my own business. It was the skill of reevaluating and rebooting, meaning recognizing when a strategy wasn't working, how to refocus, and then how to start again by creating a new plan of action, hence, reevaluate and reboot. Previously, when I was in corporate America, If something wasn't working, we were redirected by the management team, marketing team, or executive board. But when you go out on your own, you were all three of these. It is you that has to recognize challenges, shortcomings, and redirect with a new plan of action. Oh, and it's humbling because you learn to admit to failures and you have to if something isn't working. This can do a number on your confidence because you will second guess Why something didn't work in the first place, and then wonder if your next decision would be the right one. As uncertain and turbulent as this can feel, hear this it is part of the process. This is completely normal and acceptable. The key to reevaluating and rebooting is all in how you handle it. And that's done by believing in yourself and trusting yourself. You have to keep your confidence high to keep going. My guest today, Jolene Rich has been through this reevaluate and reboot. Hearing her story will let you know if you're going through the same thing that you are not alone, and it will also inspire you to keep your head up and stay close to your why, which she'll explain. Be sure to listen to this podcast all the way to the end to hear my two tips for you when you find the need to reevaluate and reboot in 2022. But here's more on Jolene. With a BA in Sociology from Brandeis University and an MA in Organizational Psychology from Columbia University, Jolene has spent the better part of the last 25 years devising process consulting and staffing performance and leader management solutions. As president and founder of Rich Results, a certified women's business enterprise, she's passionate about helping clients build, cultivate, and nurture their workforce in alignment with their strategic goals and growth objectives. Her approach is one of partnership and relationship building, and she treats each client in each position as a unique opportunity to find the right talent to help them meet their specific business goals. She is a founding member and has served as VP of Programming and President of the Dream Team Professional Women's Network, an organization of women business owners and leaders. She is also a proud member of the Executive Search Owners Association and the Entrepreneurs for North Texas, an active board member of the Dallas Holocaust and Human Rights Museum and a Goldman Sachs 10,000 small business intensive program alumni. In her free time, Jolene enjoys hanging out with her three sons, socializing with friends and family, traveling, and skiing. Jolene, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so glad you're here with me. Thank you. Um, As I always do, before we talk about our topic today, let's tell the listeners how we know each other. And I love this story because we had such an accidental meeting, like such an unplanned meeting introduction two and a half years ago.
1: Yeah. More over. Yeah. Has has it been more? Yeah. It's, I think even been a little bit more, but yeah, we were standing in line at the very popular flower child and you were right in front of me. It turns out we were both waiting for our friends to meet us for lunch. And I looked at your shoes (laughs) and I said, Those are the best shoes. They look so nice. And we started talking. Thank you, shoes. Thank you, shoes.
0: Yes, we did. We did. And then immediately you got me involved with the Dream Team Network here in Dallas. Yeah. You got me involved in the Holocaust Museum here in Dallas.
1: Yeah, we knew each other for 10 (laughs) minutes and you became a sponsor of our spring fundraiser for the Dallas Holocaust and Human Rights Museum. Thank you.
0: A terrific salesperson. You had me signed up for two things immediately, Jenly.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: For the record, those shoes, that was pre-COVID. Those shoes are sitting at the top of my closet collecting dust. And I look Mm. at them, miss them. And maybe one day they'll come down again and I'll get to use them. But uh, they've been there since 2020. So it's kind of... So 2020. So 2020. Yeah, I wear flats now. So... Mm Um, Well, I'm excited to talk to you today, and and I know that your story is going to be an inspiration to other women, especially other female entrepreneurs, and they're going to want to hear about your personal evolution and confidence and reinvention and all that good stuff. So before we do that, will you just tell our listeners a little bit about you?
1: Sure. I'm a mother of three sons. Aaron is 23. He graduated from college in May, he went to the school I went to. Now he lives in New York working for EY, which is where I worked when I first started. But don't tell him that he's like his mom. Okay. So just let's just put this out there. But just saying, you know, same school, same job. Anyhow, just kidding. Aaron is very much his own person. And um, I admire him in so many ways. He teaches me a lot. And then Eli is 20. He goes to Tulane, he's a business major. Um, honestly, if anyone were to one day become an entrepreneur, he is so creative and out of the box thinking, um, I, I, I can see it in him. And my youngest son is 17 and he's a junior in, in high school. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, so that's like the, my favorite thing to talk about in my sons. Um, I'm also the daughter of two really inspiring, loving, caring parents who have been married over 55 years, and um, both of them first generation, um, born in the U.S. They're amazing. I'm also the girlfriend of a wonderful man that I've been dating for seven years. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. Girl, you got a lot going on. <laughs> Just a lot of support oh. and love.
0: Yes. And not to mention your business and everything else that you do in the Dallas community. So let me just brag on you for a minute there. You're mm. very active here and, and, um, and you're very supportive of, of everyone that, you know, so That's very nice. I, I do whatever you tell me, like, <laughs> he says, show up here, do that, whatever you say, whatever you say,
1: <laughs> be careful.
0: I know. Well, Will you take us to the beginning of your story? Because I want people to hear about your business, what motivated you to get it started, and kind of what those first years were like for you when you started your business, Wish Results.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I said, i have been at EY Consulting. i have been working in their people practice. They had different titles for it, but um, basically it was... Um, different kinds of um, HR management, performance management work internally and also with clients. And when my second son was two or three, um, I'd been doing some volunteer work I was really passionate about. I wanted to spend a bit more time with my children. And I decided that I was going to take a leave of absence. It was actually also a tough time at EY because we had just been Bought by another company, and so there was a lot of craziness going on. And so I just wanted to take a step out and try some different things. When the I took a leave of absence for a year. When the year was over, um, it seemed that the job I'd be going back to just wasn't what I wanted at the time. And I mean, it was typical for um, consultants—you know, travel and working a lot in great, exciting work. Um, But as a mother of two young sons, it just wasn't that appealing to me. Mm -hmm. And I'd been playing already with the idea of helping small companies with employee performance management and just employee challenges in general. Um, But it seemed that my foot in the door to most companies was helping companies find the right talent. And I didn't come from a recruiting background. I mean, I you know, I, I studied my master's was in organizational behavior. So I love the idea of how to help people work effectively in teams and in groups, but I, I wasn't trained as a recruiter, you know, but, you know, basically a friend asked me to help with some positions. And at the time it was when it was pretty high unemployment. And so if you posted an ad you would get inundated with responses and so the question was not really how do you find someone it was how do you find the right person and how do you take the time to sort through all of these resumes to figure out who the right person was for your team and your culture and that's kind of just really how i started in in the in recruiting how i i guess fell into it i love how you fell into it
0: naturally yeah. You know what I mean? It kind of just became your niche. You're like, yeah, I can find you the right people. I know how to do this. <laughs>
1: yeah. That's that's the I think that's, you know, just the thing with on, entrepreneurship. You know, it's yes, I can do it and then figure out how.
0: <laughs> right? That's so true. Oh my god, it's so yeah. true.
1: What is it like, you need? Okay, I got you. And then I got it. figure it out. Yeah. <laughs>
0: How are you going to do that? I don't know. I'll figure it out later. Just,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm just going to go with it. Yes. It's very entrepreneurial. It is. Yeah. Um, so tell me about your, your first years, because I know that your first years were different than your current years.
1: Yeah. I mean, in the first years I was married, I had very young children eventually. um, Well, um, I don't know. By the, I guess by the time I really started, Jeremy was born. So because he's seventeen, so he would have had to be born. But anyhow, it was. I guess you would say it was more of a lifestyle business. I didn't think about it in terms of growth. I thought about it in terms of where am I going to get the next client? How am I going to, you know, tell people about my business? And honestly, that was the hardest thing for me. You know, as an as a business owner, you are passionate about something. But then the question is, well, how do you tell people what you do and how you do it? And the whole idea of marketing and sales Mm -hmm. was totally new to me. And a friend who had started a business invited me to a networking group. And all of a sudden, I realized, oh, okay, so that's how you do it. You start telling people what you do. And Then when they're with other people and clients and friends and they hear about their needs, you know, hopefully they mention you. So I started learning about networking as a way to basically market and sell my business.
0: Right. And had you not networked previously before? No,
1: absolutely not. Yeah. Uh I'd never been to a networking meeting. And I'm so glad my friend Debbie Romick took me to the meeting because I would have, not known what to do, all she said was, "Come with a 30 second commercial." and I had no idea what that was. I was like, "Commercial, what's it? You know and I'm thinking TV commercials and and I, I had to say, "Debbie, what does that mean?" And so she helped me figure out what it means in terms of communicating your value very quickly.
0: <laughs> well, it's true, and that was a good question if you had never had to do it before, you know. Yeah. Why would you know? I came from an industry that where networking was not necessary. We were mm-hmm. all, you know, we were also connected to each other in our small industry anyway. We all knew each other. But when you do something like what you're doing or have done, the networking
1: piece is is essential. It's absolutely just, it's essential. Thankfully, ha- there's all different kinds of networking. So you can find what's comfortable for you. You can find groups that resonate with you that have cultures, you know, values that, you know, are similar to yours. So like, there's a lot out there to, you know, like for, you know, wanting to build relationships. That's the whole point of networking. And there's just so many ways of doing it.
0: Well, you're the master You
1: know how to do it. (laughs) Fifteen years later,
0: (laughs) oh, well, it's working for you. So,
1: Um,
0: and and I want to, I want to go into you know your challenges and when you realized you had to evaluate. But let me stop here. I want to ask you about confidence because that's what this show is about, and networking for our listeners. When you first started networking, and this could be a whole other episode, it probably will be.
1: Were you confident? No. Okay. Okay. No, I was so scared. I was so nervous. I felt like I mean, and you talk about this, I mean, it's so true. I, I felt like an imposter. Even though I had years and years of education and experience in in not necessarily recruiting, but certainly people and performance, I felt like an imposter. What am I doing here? you know mm-hmm. And people see me as a quote unquote extrovert, but it doesn't matter. If you're an introvert, an extrovert, going into a brand new situation, not just brand new people, because it's not about just meeting new people. It's just a brand new situation. It's like very scary. Yeah, it can
0: be, especially when you've not done it before. Right. How did you find the confidence to continue to network?
1: Well... Um I didn't have a choice. I mean, I wanted to build a business and you know, I knew that in order to do that, I needed to meet people who were also working in organizations and meeting business leaders and I mean, that's what I was going to have to do. Um I certainly, you know, wasn't going to take an ad out on, you know, at the Super Bowl or something like that. So, yeah. It just, you know, you do what you have to do and then you become more comfortable. It's practice. It's all about practice. You know, you know, like the book Outlier says, if you do something X number of times and you become an expert. I'm not saying you're ever, you know, it's not about becoming an expert, but certainly the more you do it, the more comfortable you feel.
0: I think that is perfect, what you said. It's practice. It is, because mm-hmm. you might walk into a networking meeting not knowing a damn soul and you feel uncomfortable, but the more you practice... <laughs> And the more you go to these functions and events, it gets easier and easier and you feel more confident in your mm-hmm. message and you feel more I also, confident in those next steps. I also,
1: I'm sorry, Holly. No, go ahead. <laughs> I have a bad habit of interrupting. You can ask my children. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I also think that taking the attention off of myself helped and yep. asking questions, which made it easier for me because people love talking about themselves, right? So really going to a meeting with maybe some questions in the back of my mind that I would have ready to ask people about what they do, who they are, what their business is, how I can help them. And then it just takes the focus off of me and puts it on someone else. And not to mention, people remember that.
0: They do. They do. Yeah, you're right. Because people like to talk about themselves and when (laughs) they they feel like you're interested when you're asking them questions. So, um, I think that that's another good tip, Jolene. See, we're going to have to do another episode. It's got to (laughs) happen. Um, okay. Yeah. Let's go to the beginning of rich results and your first couple of years in at what point did you realize that you had to reevaluate?
1: Yeah, well, I, um, I, th- I think it was in 2013, I was going through a divorce. And to make a long story short, I, I basically had to start my business over. Um, and the reason for starting my business over obviously wasn't, you know, what I wanted, you know, um, having to start over because of, you know, the divorce and all that. I mean, no fun after working for several years, but I used it as an opportunity to really think about how I wanted to go about recruiting. I knew at this point that it had to be more than a lifestyle business. Uh I knew that I had the capability of growing it I just needed to figure out the right way to do it. And one immediate change I made was just changing my model from essentially contingent recruiting to retained search. And the reason I did that was because I realized that to be successful, I wanted to have partners in the process. I wanted our clients to be engaged in the process Mm -hmm. and basically... Retained search is that they pay a small portion of what the total fee is up front. In return, I mean, we have a over 95% fill rate. We will absolutely fill the job for them. They don't have to worry about that. And also they get a recruiter who is really involved and they feel like is just a part of the team because the recruiter is listening and responding to the feedback they're giving. So essentially i changed my model we became a retained search firm and very quickly our fill rate obviously went up Six, we became more successful because we were filling better positions and then the other thing was we kind of became known as um you know a firm to go to for hard to fill positions and the reason is is because when i was starting out everyone said okay you have to pick a type of job accounting and finance or you know, um, legal or whatever type of job, or you have to pick an industry, you know, supply chain or, um, you know, financial services or professional services or whatever. And when you're trying to bring business in, I felt like I shouldn't be picky and say, Nope, can't help you find that type of person because we only do X. Right. And so we, always, and it was the same thing, just kind of saying yes to the opportunity and not being scared of it. But that allowed us to figure out really how to find people and get out of our, you know, the mindset, the recruiting mindset is is always build a big database, right? Yeah. We didn't have a big database. So we had to figure out how to find people through really, really good research. And so, Those, you know, becoming retained search, becoming known for finding hard to fill positions, really learning how to do great research to find great talent. All of that was kind of coming into place. And, you know, we, we became a lot better at it.
0: Right, right. It's like you you figured out a way to stand out
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and and separate yourself from the competition.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No question.
0: When you realized, I'm going to go back a little bit. When you realized that you had to change your model, do you remember what that felt like when you're like, oh my gosh, I've got to, I hate to use this word, pivot. I have to change some things to make this work. Because I think as an entrepreneur, that can be a tough spot. I do, because you're looking at things from a certain perspective and then you realize you have to shift if you're going to keep going.
1: Yeah. Yeah it's It's really hard. um part of what helped is um part of what helped was working with my first coach. I worked with a coach that really helped me communicate the value of what we do mm-hmm. um, because the truth is, when you tell a company, You need to pay a little bit up front and you haven't given them a candidate. Many companies who don't know, who haven't had any experience with retained search are thinking, why am I going to do that? You know, and especially, you know, it's a lot easier when unemployment is super low and it's so hard to find people. Obviously, companies want to give you a chance, but at You know, eight years ago when we changed our model, I mean, it was it was still difficult to convince people that by having a partnership with us Mm -hmm. um, and paying a little bit up front, we're going to be able to get a better candidate. So, you know, I think it really goes back to it, it was really difficult taking a step back and thinking, okay, I need to do this a different way or else we're, we're not going to be able to fill the positions. Cause the other thing with contingent search is companies are using multiple recruiters at the same time. So my recruiters are like spinning their wheels, doing work. And then they realize, Oh, this other company, um, you know, our client, you know, filled the position already and we're still spinning our wheels, you know, and that's not fair to my team. So it was just partly a mindset shift, partly, talking it out with a coach. I've had coaches at different points in my business. And I that was probably the first time I used a coach, Debbie Trevino. She is was she amazing. And she actually came from the staffing industry. And she really taught me about sales and how to talk to customers and how to leave conversations. That was huge. So huge recommendation I have is is working with wonderful coaches like you.
0: Ah, oh, thank you. And thank you for endorsing coaches because clearly I believe in them too, because we need them. We need them for direction and accountability and support. Yeah. Um, you had talked about her, Debbie, in our pre-interview, and you said that she, when you were pivoting, that she made you ask yourself three questions to redirect. And I have them right here and I can read them unless you want to, unless you remember what they are too.
1: Well, that might've been a second coach. Wow, um, are you check. talking about my why? Yeah, your why? Yeah. So yeah, I'm telling you, I've, I've had some amazing coaches. Um, so I did, so another huge um, suggestion I have for people who want to go into business is every opportunity you have to learn and take a class, mm-hmm. do it there's so much to learn. We know what our passion is. We know how to, you know, in our case, identify great talent, but running a business is different. And I had just, um, a few years ago, I did Goldman Sachs, 10,000 small businesses, which I know you've done as well. And it was 2018. And one of the things that I learned was how important it is to really understand my numbers, Mm -hmm. which, you know, If you showed me any kind of financial statement, I would just run the other way. And I realized, wait a minute, I need to use these numbers to help grow my business. And so right after Goldman Sachs, I started working with Leslie Hassler, who helped me from that perspective. She helped me understand a number of things, but one was how to use my numbers to effectively grow my business. Something else she helped me with was during COVID. So when COVID hit, obviously people are laying off. They're not hiring. And I'm thinking, oh, gosh, you know, what are we going to do if people aren't going to hire? Well, we tried everything. I mean, we offered outplacement to companies who were laying off employees. We tried um, focusing on industries that were actually doing well. like And and that actually helped a lot. Um, construction, for example, Um That was um, a pretty steady industry. Um, We took advantage of the PPP money. Um, But what made a huge difference was Debbie, um, sorry, Leslie, working with Leslie, I I told her at one point, you know, we went a whole quarter without bringing in any business, you know, and she's like, let's take a step back. Why are you in this industry? And I don't know if you know the process of figuring out what your why is, but you keep asking it like seven times or whatever. Like it's almost two-year-old. annoying. It's like a two-year-old, why, why, why? why? The what, yeah, why? exactly, <laughs> exactly. And what I realized was recruiting is, a, is, is connected to who I am, but in a way that I hadn't realized before. And Leslie really helped me just kind of scrape away at, you know, just what I was doing to understand the why behind it. And, you know, my why is to eliminate bias in communities. And in some ways, you can see that in the nonprofit work I do, you mentioned the Dallas Holocaust and Human Rights Museum. Um, I mean, there's you know, a few different nonprofit organizations I'm involved with. But I truly believe because of the family I came from and, you know, I have grandparents who had to leave countries because of bias and prejudice, right? And they came over here. So I was raised in in a family that embraced diversity, right? And so that became who I was. And that was one of the reasons I was so interested in, in people and how people who are different and come from different backgrounds work so effectively together. I mean, a side note my college essay, Going to Brandeis, was about this book I read. The Drifters by James A. Mitzner about a group of teenagers who were traveling around the world, I think, I don't even remember now. And they were all so different from different places and cultures and had different personalities, but how their group and as they traveled together, how they were so great as a group. And that was just so interesting to me, right? But how is this related to recruiting? And what I realized is if, I mean, my why is to eliminate bias in communities. Well, it's also to eliminate bias in recruiting. And what I wanted to do was not just help companies find the right talent, but also help them understand, well, do I have biases? So I'm not looking at the right people. I'm not, I'm overlooking people because of my unconscious biases. There's an author who, who Really, just uh, Rebecca Heiss, and she's coming to Dallas this summer, actually, to speak. But she's—you can listen to her online, and she has a TED Talk, and she talks a lot about the unconscious biases that humans have because of our biology, and why it's so important to become aware of it. And all of a sudden, I mean, it just all came together for me um, that my personal why and was was the same as my professional, what I wanted to do as a company. I don't want to just help people recruit. I wanted to help people, you know, companies, you know, small, large communities eliminate bias so we can accept people and build better teams and communities. It all seemed to fit together. And that was kind of fr- from that exercise I went through with with Leslie.
0: Right. And th- that was a great exercise. And I love that your personal and professional why, they're the same thing. Mm -hmm. And that would give me confidence right there, knowing that I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing.
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly.
0: When You have those two things like, like line up, like what I'm doing now. Like when I was in medical device sales, I believed my products, but it wasn't my why this is it. So for Jolene answering your why is what brought you to your business. So, uh,
1: yeah, it brought me to, it brought me to um, having more confidence during the really, really, really tough times in my business, because if I hadn't really revisited what I was doing and why I was doing it, you know, you know, going through a whole quarter with zero sales, I, you know, and supporting employees. I don't know what direction I would have taken necessarily. That's but. an
0: ass kicker because that do, that does a number on your confidence. You're like, wait, mm-hmm. where's my money? Where are my numbers? What am I doing? And it can make you mm-hmm. really crappy. Yeah. After all of this, Jolene, and reevaluating, you know, and considering your why, how do you keep your confidence high? How do you stay strong in those moments when you are in the middle of growth, if you will?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, well, like I said, um, Leslie, my coach at the time was a big part of that. And I really believe as an entrepreneur, you you shouldn't try to do it yourself. You should think about who's around you. And and also I should I should add that my team, I mean, my team was very um I mean, when I think about 2020 and the year we had, because we actually ended up finishing the year as same, same as 2019. So despite having a whole quarter with no sales, we ended the year very well. And I give a lot of credit for my team for their ability to just stick with it despite it being so challenging. And really that's kind of what inspired me, um, you know, Seeing my team just rally around what they were doing for their clients, um, that, was, that was a lot for me.
0: Well, yeah, because you feel like you have support. And I think that's a great message because we think we can do it all by ourselves, and Mm-mm. we can't. And your confidence is going to be a lot stronger if you have a support system around you.
1: Yeah, you don't have to be alone as an entrepreneur. No, no, you you don't have to suffer. You don't have to suffer. Mm -mm.
0: So I I think that's great. So it's don't do it by yourself and have a team you can rely on is what it sounds like really got you through. For sure. So you had mentioned this um, a couple of weeks ago to me. You said that you are a glass half Hmm. full person. You've said that. How do you think that has helped you again with your success?
1: Well, I mean, as as I mentioned, there are times where the glass doesn't seem half full and you're thinking, okay, nothing is coming in. Mm-hmm. But kind of pivoting your mind and remembering that it can be half full and it will be half full is... Is you know, it's mindset. I mean, you talk about this a lot. I I didn't know this years ago, and maybe it's taken me 53 years to figure this out. But I really do believe having a growth mindset and a positive mindset really helps because it, you know, as uh, you know, Melissa Marks in our group, I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, he always talks about, you know, what you're putting out there in the you know in the universe and in the world and it sounds so hokey in some ways but your mind is so powerful i read, i read this book oh you'll love this i read this book by david goggins and he was a navy seal he was he is a an athlete, but he does ultra marathons, not 26 measly miles. <laughs> he does you know, a hundred miles, 150 miles at a time, right? And all he talks about is mindset. And one of his points is really interesting. So I'll put it out there. Okay. So he talks about the 40% rule. And recently I was asked, what's your word? And we did this as a team also, what is your word for 2022? And I said, I think my word is And they said, why 40%? Don't you want to be 100%? Well, his point is that typically, we're only putting out and we're only putting in effort of 40%. Oh. We have so much more in us. So if you think about potential and that there's always something else in you, another idea, some more energy. After 18 clients said said, "No, I'm not interested in using a recruiter, but there's so many more." What's 18? It's it's nothing. We always there's always more potential. And so I thought is motivating to me because it reminds me that there's always more in us to do something else, to try something more, to just go a little further.
0: I love that. I love that. It's like no door is closed. You keep going. It's still in front of you. You're a salesperson.
1: You know that, right? I had so
0: many doors closed on me. I keep going. (laughs) yeah
1: I get it. I see it there's gonna be a yes uh-huh. the yeses will come they will the go. yeses will come and we have more in us to keep going to more doors even if a few more say no yeah th- we have a lot more in us than we give ourselves credit for
0: yeah we do and we can't let the no stop us
1: right then you can't let it defeat you you just can't Mm-mm.
0: Uh, that's a great segue into my, one of my last questions for you. What advice do you have for other women who are finding themselves starting over and having to reevaluate like you did in the workplace?
1: Well, um, I think the advice is number one, like we talked about already, don't do it alone and really consider, um, there's so much support out there. Um, coaches, yay, coaches, yay, yay Holly. coaches. Right? Yay, yay, coaches. And also, different parts of your business can be outsourced in different ways. So, I use a fractional CFO and um, my social media is outsourced. And really remember, you don't have to do it alone because you're not supposed to be the expert in everything. You know, um, I think that's one piece of advice. Another is, Really learn, read books, take advantage of Goldman Sachs, 10,000 small business, SBA classes, you know, any opportunity to learn about your business, I think, and how to grow your business and how to evaluate, you know, growth opportunities in your business, take those opportunities. I think that's super important.
0: I think those great words of advice because it's all about educating yourself and giving yourself the opportunity to persevere. That's what it Mm -hmm. does. That's terrific, terrific advice. So how can people get in touch with you, Jolene, if they want more of your advice or for a speaking event or
1: just to get to know you better? They can call me. 972 839 9447. They can email me, Jolene Risch at richresults.com. They can, um, I I live on LinkedIn. <laughs> yep, I get it. You can link it, they me, message me, any which way. We Whatever. can have lunch with Holly. We, we could have lunch together
0: as long as uh-huh. we have the martinis, you know, because uh-huh. those have. Sure.
1: Yeah, definitely. Got it.
0: So, well, your time has been so valuable today and I appreciate you having this conversation with me. And I have no doubt that you have inspired other women who are listening because you just inspired me too, Jolene. So thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Holly.
0: I want to leave you today with some parting tips. This is important for me to share with you because whether you do own your own business or you're in a nine to five and you're having to reevaluate and reboot, here are my two tips for you. Firstly, don't beat yourself up. If you missed a target, made a mistake, or mismanaged the situation, let it go. Holding on to it is only a waste of time. Learn from it and move on. Secondly, reevaluating and rebooting is a process. You will most likely do this over and over again. Know that every action and decision you make is getting you closer to your goals. Those are my parting words today. This is Holly Kaplan. Cheers until our next episode of Talking Confidence. Thank you, Talking Confidence listeners for joining me today for this episode. If you would like to connect with me personally for confidence coaching or speaking events, you can reach me at hollykaplan.com. If you would like to buy my book, Surviving the Dick Click, A Girl's Guide to Surviving the Male-Dominated Corporate World, you can find your copy at amazon.com. Thanks.